From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. It's Sunday, it's June 9th, one week before the United States Open Sunday and Father's Day, where somebody will be a major champion. We are joined by Alex Lazan, our golf betting analyst, for um, what is going to be a very fascinating week at Pebble Beach. But we, we, we can't... Um, we first have to address Rory before we do anything else. He wins the Canadian Open today by seven. He shoots 61, had a chance at 59, forced the issue, obviously, and shot 61. But his ball striking tee to green, Alex, was just incredible. It was a clinic. The question is, narrow fairways, super thick rough next week. Can this translate? has ever won the week before the U.S. Open and gone on to win the United States Open Championship. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, these are the long, long odds that Rory um, is trying to go up against. All right, we have Pebble as a venue this week. Tiger obviously did the history-making performance in 2000. Graham McDowell, who qualified for the British Open today, the Open Championship with a 30-foot par putt on 18. Uh, kudos to him. Uh, Royal Portrush is his home golf course. He's played upwards of 500 rounds there. Brother still works there. I mean, what an amazing story that is, and what a load off his shoulders. Um, so kudos to Graham McDowell. But he won this thing in 2010, and the weather's been perfect leading up. It's going to be dry all week, sunny and clouds. Um, and it's one of those things when you look at this, um, that I just don't know if this plays firm and fast, a, I think even par over par is going to win B you're going to have to drive your ball in the fairway and C, I don't know if what any of these guys who have been playing well lately, including Brooks Kepka will do if they're just a little bit offline. It doesn't seem from the pictures and the videos that I've seen, and yes, we're, we're you know five days away from the start, but what I've seen so far is you go a little bit off the fairway and you're in deep doo-doo. Yeah, that's crazy. So what they're looking at, it looks, based on the long-term forecast I checked earlier on the weekend, we're talking lows in the 50s, highs in the 60s, that chance of maybe the ocean breeze kick things up, but yeah, the, the conditions, they're going to make them nasty. We, we already know how the USGA is, and it's going to be unpredictable for sure. I, I look back at that 2010 US Open, I, I couldn't believe it, Jeremy. The cut came at 7 over par, and Zach Johnson finished 22 over par for the week and still beat five guys. I, I For some reason, I didn't have that much carnage in my head when I had my memories of 2010, but uh, if, if the USGA is able to set it up uh, like they did back then, then uh, yeah, 
it could be a dog bite and a far fest for sure on a course that we've typically seen a, a lot of birdies come from when we've seen you know, AT&T Pebble Beach programs in recent years. So it'd be an interesting switch up for sure. As Phil said, um, you've got to throw out history here, I think. Um, you know, anything related to the AT&T, I think, does you no good this week unless somehow knowing the way the greens break can help you. But even in that, Alex, when you actually get right down to it, if you're playing firmer, faster greens, you and I both know this as golfers, the firmer the greens are, the more break you have to play. So what you normally think in the AT&T is, you know, three cups outside the left could become on firm, fast greens, five cups outside the left. Yeah, you can be... Uh... You can be familiar with the greens, but not necessarily calibrated and locked in. And, and that's the difference between this course, you know, playing like a par 68 like it does, you know, at the 18 t versus, you know, it could potentially be playing like a par 75 or 76 if the winds kick up and they stay as firm as fast as the USGA wants them. So there is just kind of that, uh, that up-in-the-air factor with what we're going to see come Thursday. And also remember, uh, folks, that the second hole is playing as a par 4 this week, not a par 5 as it normally does during the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. A lot of people are going to look at the driving accuracy stats uh, this week uh, as possible signs of something. Jim Furyk, Ches Reavy, Ryan Armour, Ryan Moore, Justin Harding, Brian Gay, Henrik Stenson, David Hearn, Matt Kuchar, Andrew Landry. Those are your top ten on the PGA Tour right now. None of those names really stick out to me as possible U.S. Open champions, um, except for Matt Kuchar, which I think just shows, and, and Henrik Stenson could if he's accurate, but Henrik Stenson has not played up to his caliber of golf over the last couple of years. And I think that, Alex, the way that I'm looking at this from a golfer perspective, and you can tell me how you're looking at it from a betting perspective, is a lot of these are going to be shots in the dark. If you're driving it well that week, um, you're going to be in great shape. Look at Max Homa, who had all those problems hitting fairways and then, you know, stripes it across Quail Hollow and gets that win. Um, one great week. Yeah, it, yeah if, if, if you have that one week where you hit it well, this could be your week. And I'm not sure if season-long stats are any indication of what's going to come. What's, how are you, from a betting perspective, reading into this? Yeah, I mean, it's the U.S. Open, so it's going to give that test of the, they're demanding that you put the ball in play, preferably in the fairway. If not, please hold on to that first cut, as brief as it may be. Uh, they're going to penalize uh, second coat for sure, if you're, if you're in that second cut or up. Uh, so you, you're obviously looking at guys who are accurate, but you're also looking at, at, again, it's that age-old debate of are you just looking at a guy who is more powerful, maybe 10 or 15% less accurate, and, and just, you know, taking your chances with the with the bomb and gouge if they do go in that rough. Uh, we, we can get to the Patrick Cantlay video a little bit later, but it, it's kind of a balance between, you know, when you're filling out your card and you're picking guys to win this week, you want to look at guys not only who, who can hit the ball straight and, and under the gun in those U.S. Open-type circumstances, but, but also have the length to take advantage of firmer, faster conditions and shorter holes so they have wedges in their hands, too. I hear you on that, but do you also think that if this plays firm and fast, that this could bring a shorter hitter into the ball game? It just yeah, in the sense it. of there's no overriding need. It, it, let me put it to you this way: when Rory won it, let's say Congressional in tw- in, in 2011, 
soaked golf course. He was able to absolutely overpower everybody and just hit it so far because you're getting no roll. Here, somebody like a, a, a Tiger, if his back is a little stiff, could play a whole bunch of stingers and just have them run forever and ever and ever. And if you get the angles right, you can make up that distance gap. Whereas if a longer hitter, take a Bubba Watson, isn't shaping his shots exactly right and ends up in that rough, you're done with. So that's what I find interesting about having length. I'm not sure. It's not a long golf course, as everybody knows. I'm not sure length this week is going to be important, except on something like 14 where it may help you, 11 where it could help you. Some of these uphill par fives, uh, six obviously, having any kind of shorter club in the six is helpful. But I think overall, it's going to be more accuracy and then hitting it on the green well with the clubs that you have versus pure length be, being a, a deciding factor. But then again, Brooks Koepka's won the last two U.S. Opens, and he's one of the longest hitters <laughs> in the world. So what do I know? Brooks, Brooks the major killer, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's the fascinating part about this tournament is that, you know, typically when you just think from an outset, if you, if you know nothing about golf and people tell you that the U.S. Open is typically the most grueling and toughest test of the four majors from a strictly golf perspective, you would automatically think, oh, well, that's because the par fives are going to be 700 yards. All the par threes are going to be 250 yards. They're just going to grow the course out as long as they possibly can. But that, that's kind of the beauty of the U.S. Open is that sometimes it just takes stingers and correctly placed three woods and seven irons to the fat part of the green and, and responsibly two-putting and lagging your putts when you're on tougher greens. So that, that's the interesting kind of paradox of this challenge is, you know, usually it's, it, it's labeled as the most grueling challenge, but it doesn't always take the most grueling or powerful shot to win. So that's, that's kind of why... You know, par becomes your friend as the week uh, lingers here, especially at Pebble Beach. Talking to our senior golf betting analyst, Andrew Lazon, here on Teeing It Up. Sorry, Alex Lazon, excuse me. I don't know why I had Andrew in my head. You got it. Have you ever been called Andrew, or is that a first? Uh, I think it is a first, actually. Okay, well, I, I sincerely apologize, and I hope that you don't hang up on me. You're on the uh, Andrew Landry thought train there with the accuracy. Yes. Um, I sincerely apologize and hope that you don't hang up and, and, and you're teeing it up, Rain, because of that slip-up. Staying on for now, yeah. Okay, good. Um, all right, before we get to this, we're going to take uh, – sorry, before we get to bets and odds and all that stuff, let's just get out of your head for right now. Um, sorry, out of your betting head and put on your golfer's hat. You and I are both golf fans. You and I watch way too much golf every week. We have to convince our families, wives, girlfriends, etc., cetera, um, that we're not crazy. We're just diehards. Um, and the USGA has come under fire the last four U.S. Opens. 2015, Chambers Bay, the Greens was nuts. 2016, Oakmont. Did they mess up Oakmont while getting the Greens too fast, which led to the Dustin Johnson rules fiasco, and then how they handled that fiasco. 2017, we had the whole Aaron Hills thing, and you go to a golf course that was made for wind and there's no wind and Brooks takes it over. And then last year, obviously with the Saturday setup and there's this golf digest piece, USGA confidential, uh, where everybody's basically saying we might skip this event or some are saying we might skip this event in the future. If the USGA doesn't clean up its act. And then somebody, I forget who, whether it was Phil or Rory said, basically we have to give them one more shot and then we'll have to make some tough calls. Is the USGA's reputation on the line if this U.S. Open turns into a shit show? And I don't curse a lot on this show, but 
I think that this has a chance, the Patrick Cantlay video being the perfect example of if they're not careful with this setup, it could turn into a shit show. Yeah, for sure. It's well said. That's the word you associate with this tournament. And it's interesting to hear those strongly spoken out words from the elite players in the game. I mean, I guess when you hear things like that, it, it does tell you that the USGA's reputation is on the line. I mean, to, to me personally, Jeremy, it's solidified. I, I, I know what it is. It's, it's boisterous. Uh, it's stubborn. They they do what they want to get the score that they want every year. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not sure if Pebble Beach is a course that they can brown like to to points of insanity. But that that is kind of just the basic question you're going to be asking if you're just a casual fan watching at home is how yellow slash brown does this course get this week? And then <laughs> that that's the first indicator of how much a, a shit show it could be, as you said. Uh, but yeah, it, it seems like they're kind of on the hot seat based on the things when you when you kind of pile up the last few years and mention them like that. It, they definitely are on the hot seat to, to deliver on the, uh, the greenskeeping and course management front. So uh, I'm going to be watching out for their words and, and what their message is uh, this week when they, when they hop on the airwaves. This too, I'll be interested to see how that all plays out. Yeah, reputation, absolutely online. And don't forget, this golf course has to host another event in not that long a, um, an amount of time. So, and it's a resort course, so it's got to be open to resort guests. Oh yeah. Uh, um, in a couple you gotta, you gotta of days. Make the paying customers happy. What? Got to make the paying customers happy. Exactly the same way that Beth Page was open two days later. Um, for anybody in the public normally who wanted to tee it up, even as they teared down all the infrastructure, the golf course opened back up two days later. Um, after Crazy. the PGA was done, and I'm just looking it up now. That first tee open, which uh, has been renamed since I last uh, checked, so I don't know what the current name of the facility is. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, of what that event is, but that's in like late August or September. That golf course has got to be in shape for all those first tee kids plus the PGA Tour uh, champions crowd who will be uh, going to that venue. Yeah. This is the Pure Insurance Championship, uh, also known as the first tee open to some people, September 27th through 29th. So they've got... Not, not, well, they got three months, I guess. Yeah, they got three months to get this thing back into shape quote-unquote all right a lot of people and i and i said this to you off air i i said this to somebody i know brent snedeker um on william hill at least was if with his 50 to 1 odds coming into today i've seen him in places that had longer odds i'm looking here at what one of the vegas places had him at leading into this week and uh, I cannot. Guessing it was in the seventies or eighties to one for sure. Yeah, he's yeah he was a hundred to one here on VegasInsider.com. He he finished fourth in Canada, was so good off the tee and knows Poana Greens well and has, and has won at Pebble. And I think that even if a cup you know a putt that breaks you know three cups outside the left in February and will be six this week, I, I do think that can matter for something. And that pop stroke tends to get the ball rolling. More with topspin on Poana Greens, which can be helpful. I absolutely love Brant Snedeker as a pick this week. And if you hear this podcast before the odds get reset after this week, I would put money down on him immediately because it's going to be a great bargain for you. 
Yeah. And worst case, even if you're not feeling the outright win, place a bet on him to finish in the top 10. Those will be available on Monday evening or Tuesday on most bookmakers. Uh, so absolutely take a look at that, too. He's a guy that also finished well in the 2010 U.S. Open here at Pebble Beach. I think he was right in or around the top 10. So, yeah, you mentioned the pop stroke. I'm, I'm actually very comforted by seeing his jab stroke in a U.S. Open yes. uh, setting because it's just with the jab stroke, it's quick, it's easy. There's just less margin for error. That's it. You know, so it's a little comforting to see him walking on these greens in a in a U.S. Open setting like this. So yeah, I, I, it'd be I'd be hard pressed not to put money on Snedeker, even if you if you don't feel like he's going to win outright. At least put money on him to be in the top ten and have a solid performance. That's, that's a good call out for sure. Right now, and remember, this is, has not been reset after Rory dominated Sunday in Canada. Brooks six to one, Dustin seven to one, Tiger ten to one, Rory twelve to one, Spieth sixteen to one, Rose sixteen to one, JT twenty to one, along with Patrick Cantlay. Does does your does your bookmaker have have similar odds to what I'm looking at here? It does. Yeah, okay, those yeah. are pretty much the stack favorites in, in the order. I'm yeah, thinking. all right. So let's take this top ten. Uh, who do you like? Who do you not like? I, I'm I'm doing the the auto. Don't think about it. Just do it. Brooks Kepka bet. <laughs> he paid off wonderful dividends for me at Best Page. I threw a little bit more than I typically do on a weekly basis on Brooks to win, and he just absolutely rolled from the start. So until things change with him in major championships, I will be auto betting Brooks Brooks Kepka until further notice. Um, <laughs> a guy that we mentioned earlier. You mentioned Cantlay. I, I have Cantlay off my list. That When I see a player publish a video like that, Jeremy, where he's going out of his way to, to be documented about how disgraced or, or like wronged he feels by the conditions, you know, five or six paces off of a green, it just kind of puts me on tilt. It feels like the course is really in his head already before we've even pegged it on Thursday. Um, so in terms of those top guys, yeah, auto Brett bet for me on Brooks Kepka. Uh, gonna stay away on Cantlay though because that video I saw just just disheartening. And doesn't this also go back to what Brooks said at at, at, at Beth Page about how you can discount what what, what was it 156 player field only half have even a shot and of those only half of those actually have like the moxie to win and it comes down to beating like 36 guys. Yeah. I think that feeds right into Brooks's theory that if you're posting these videos, if you're showing off what you believe is a mistake or a weakness in golf course setup, uh, that could be a sign of something. It shows me that you're not focusing on what you need to do the best and correctly. You're worried about what happens when an errant shot occurs. And when those thoughts are already seeping in your head before you've even begun your practice rounds, it's just... A little bit of a red flag for me, especially if I'm putting my precious money on a player to win this week. So just something of note on the favorite end there. Yeah, something of note. All right. Um, we've got, excuse me, we've got lined up for you here. Dustin, Tiger, Rory, Spieth. Who out of that batch do you like? Ooh. I got to say, I, I have not been very keen on DJ recently, but out of that batch, I'm probably going to go with him to, to help get a little revenge for that horrible 82 finish here in 2010. Again, a guy that likes this course and, and has the potential to, to play very well in tough conditions. Uh, so him and, again, Spieth, just I want him to have so much better of a year than he's having, and I'm seeing those flashes, but... Just like you, you you reliably tweeted probably every week when when Spieth seems to find himself near the top of the leaderboard, 
give me something on Saturday, give me something on Sunday. I can't bet him until I see that happen uh, for real. I didn't check to see what Memorial did to it, but 194 and 202 for third and fourth round scoring out of 208 qualifying players is just, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just abysmal. I'm not going to go there. The same way that I say that when Rory's on, he's the most beautiful golfer to watch in the world. And people say, yeah, but you're a Tiger fan. I'm like, yeah, but just watch him drive it. The way his swing is, the rhythm, the way that ball just pierces through the air, it's a thing of, of beauty, which you've gotten to see up close in Austin uh, last, last couple of years in the match play. All right, I'm going to give you uh, my names here, and then I'll let you roll ahead and, and just take this for whatever you want. Alex hosts the Course of Life podcast uh, with Michael Russell. That comes out what day this week? Uh, we'll have it out for Tuesday with a U.S. Open preview ourselves from someone who worked at uh, Pebble Beach. So it should be a good one. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, my pleasure. I mean, we are kind of, you know, co co. Uh, I don't know what the right word is. I like co-terms. I like that. It just feels very fancy and business-like, even though it has nothing to do with what this podcast does. You know, co-term is that what you said? Yeah, it's, just, it's a little collaborative effort. Yes, and and it, yes, uh, it is a collaborative effort where we're. So where we're promoting each other, even if we're not currently appearing on that podcast. Um, and it's also mutually beneficial for us to win money with our picks, too, for, for these majors. That, that helps everyone, too. <laughs> You're right about that. All right. To me, Kepka, I, I, winning three straight with this setup, which could be one of the hardest ones. Nope. Sorry, you're out. Dustin, I don't know what to think about with Dustin. Tiger... He's got to hit it straight. If he hits it straight, I think he wins the golf tournament. I think he wins by five because his iron play and short game are on par. But does he drive it enough? I know. It's a bold prediction from me. Spieth, I've got to see it before I make any pick on him. Justin Rose, not really feeling. JT's still too rusty. Cantley, I I, I think, is a top five guy. Same way that you like Snets. I'm going to go further down the list here. Ricky Fowler is sneaky long, and I think that if he hits it straight enough, this is his week. I don't like Phil this week. I'm sorry, folks. I don't like Phil Mickelson this week. The ace at Nance's hole, whatever. I'm just not oh, no. feeling it. Um, but I'm going to go to the guys at 28-1, to 1, Tommy Fleetwood and Xander Shoffley. Tommy has contended, perked up, perked up, perked up. He's gotten there. And I went from thinking Xander Shoffley was a fluke to Xander Shoffley is for real. I'm not confident with many people below that. Adam Scott, you never know how his putter's going to react. And this is on Poana, remember. Hideki Matsuyama's been hit or miss. Bryson might overthink this whole darn thing. Tony Finau has contended, but he's a length guy. This is going to take away his length. Um, Paul Casey finished second at Pebble in February. Hasn't done much. In recent weeks, then you go to Oosthuizen and Kucher and Sergio and Bubba and Woodland and Leishman and Keimer and Reed and Simpson and Stenson and Shane Lowry, who finished second this week. That, that brings you on to 80 to 1. None of these guys really tickle my fancy. So I'm leaning in the Snedeker, Tiger, if I'm feeling it right, Rory, if he's on, and then Shoffley and Fleetwood. I'm cool with Shockley. Very cool. I had him at Augusta. Very close call there. Uh, had him the week he won at Kapalua to start off my 2019 funds. That was a very nice pickup for me to start the golf season. Uh, so I do have Shockley at 28-1. to 1. 
I will be picking Phil literally just for funsies. Not because I think he's in the form to win this week, but I just got to say that I'm there for the moment that he wins the U.S. Open, if it ever does happen. Uh, A few other guys that I like, I was going way down if we're talking sleepers. You touched on Shane Lowry. At 90-1, to he's a guy that can sometimes be a big game hunter and deliver very good performances when you least expect it. Coming off of this wonderful finish at the Canadian Open last weekend, he's on my list as a sleeper. Uh, Gary Woodland, very sharp statistically, is 88-1 to right now. Um, not necessarily having like the standout year that you'd expect from him, but uh, if he puts it all together, there's, there's a lot of value in that play. Uh, so guys, like I mentioned, Kepka, Shockley, Phil for fun, also looking at you know Lowry and Woodland as sleepers. Uh, throw a dollar on Alex Noren at 150 to one, not because he's in great form right now, but only because he's a ball striker that is deadly straight when he has it on, and he does have the tools to win a major eventually. And like we mentioned earlier, with those top ten bets, you and I both love Snedeker to be in contention. And why not uh, on Graham McDowell? After, after the list of hitting that 34-quarter you mentioned at Hamilton uh, to get into his neighboring course next to Portrush there. Uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see if he could repeat any of his form from 2010. So I'll sprinkle in a top 10 bet on GMAC and Snedeker as well. And that's pretty much my list for the guys I'm looking at this week at Pebble Beach, Jeremy. Which means everybody else is out. One last thing before I, 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 I let you go. Um, Lexi Thompson eagled the 18th hole today to win the ShopRite LPGA Classic. Um, just a, a fantastic performance coming off a close call at the U.S. Women's Open. She's had a fascinating year between social media, um, oh, yeah. driving her to take a break from it, to focusing on time with her family, to getting heat for playing with President Trump. And I'm not going to the politics here, folks. Don't, don't, don't worry. Um, to, you know, playing well, you know, taking a break, playing well at the U.S. Open, coming up short, getting the win this week in dramatic fashion when she hit a pitching wedge from over 200 yards because of the math and, and how firm and fast that golf course was playing. She thought it would be a 150-yard shot, so she hit pitching wedge from 200 yards. Mind-blowing. Uh, Mind-blowing. Um, I'm telling you, I, I there's something about Lexi Thompson that is fascinating to watch. You never quite know what you're going to get from her, but when her game is on, she is as as... I mean, just the speed she comes into impact at when that golf swing is on and her timing is down. And then when everything else matches up around her, including her her emotional and mental game, um, every time I I sit there and see her win, I'm like, this is going to be the year she wins multiple majors. I just feel that there's something really good coming for Lexi. Yeah, and, and you've seen her on a lot of these major leaderboards in the past few years. Just always kind of lingering in fourth or fifth place. Yeah. Like, she's got all the tools to be really dominant as an American player on the LPGA, which is a hill to climb, you know, in and of itself. And, and yeah, like like you and I have talked about just kind of casually with her, fighting battle on, on social media. I just just for her benefit because she it just seems like she's a great soul on and off the golf course. I just I wish she would just put the haters down to the side and just not scroll through the comments every single day 
and, and just continue to do the great things she's doing on the golf course. Yeah, that'll all take care of itself, and that'll that'll give her all all the, the fulfillment she wants and more. And I, I, it's nothing but the best for her. It, yeah, it, it feels like we're on the precipice of maybe her moment in her career to to pile up, you know, three a handful of majors potentially. Golf gods owe her one after what happened at the A and A in 2017, and uh, she deserves another major title or two to make it, up for that. Um, just fiasco. Um, and then very last thing before I let you go, and I've kept you longer than I said I would, so I apologize. Um, when, when you look at right now, this season, this new PGA Tour schedule, what's your feelings on it right now as we head into major number three um, and this truncated, condensed schedule that just keeps rolling along one big event and one big event? It's fast. It's one of those things where you're not quite adjusted to how fast these majors keep popping up, but I have to stick to my guns because for years and years, I've always been in the get out of the way of football camp uh, in terms of what goes on in August and September just at any cost. So they're doing it. So, so bless them for that. And, and it, it, for me, I'm totally cool with it. I, I love rolling off the majors every single month. It adds a, a more continuous, uh, persistent build up throughout the season uh i was always kind of weird out by that you know what eight nine sometimes maybe even ten week break between the masters and the u.s open before and we really knocked that out completely and so having the major every month it it just reinvigorates that energy and, and kind of keeps that excitement building throughout the summer months which i think is important for the game so i like it Alex Lazan is the host of the Course of Life podcast. His, he's on Twitter at, what is it, Course of Life hyphen one? Course of Life one, indeed, for, for all my musings on the game and everything else going on in the world and also those picks, which I'll be posting earlier this week as well. Yes. Uh, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up, our senior golf betting analyst. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schelling.